0: Chapter 20 of The Mummy and Miss Nitocris. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elise Black, Atlanta, Georgia. The Mummy and Miss Nitocris A Fantasy of the Fourth Dimension by George Shetwin Griffith. Through the Centuries as they discovered that the sea journey to copenhagen would be somewhat tedious and uninteresting and that the steamers were not exactly palatial nidocris and her father decided at the last minute to cross to ostend spend a day there and go on to cologne put in a couple of days more among its venerable and odorous purlieu and two more at hamburg so that while the present-day inhabitants were asleep they might as nidocris somewhat flippantly put it take a trip back through the centuries and watch the great city grow from the little wooden village of the eubai and the roman colony of agrippina into the hans town of the thirteenth century watch the laying of the first stone of the mighty dom the uprising of the glorious fabric and the crowning of the last tower in eighteen eighty during the journey from hamburg to copenhagen nitocris reclining comfortably in a corner of their compartment in the long easily moving car entertained herself with a review of these extraordinary experiences from the point of view of her temporal life and found them not only extraordinary but also very curious she had already learnt that the connecting link between the two existences when once the border had been passed was will but will of a far more intense and exalted character than that which was necessary as an incentive to action on the lower plane there was naturally something that seemed extra-human in the mysterious force which was capable of bidding the present-day world vanish like a shadow into either the future or the past its solid-seeming substance melt away like the airy fabric of a vision and summon in an instant too brief to be measured the past from the grave where it lay buried beneath the dust of uncounted ages or the future from the womb of unborn things but to her at least at first the strangest part of the new revelation was this when her will had carried her across the confines of the tri-dimensional world and she saw the centuries marshalled and motionless before her she felt not the slightest sense of wonder or awe she was simply a being apart moving along their ranks and passing them in review herself unseen and unknown save by that other being who in this state was no longer her father or even her friend but merely a companion endowed with power and intelligence equal to her own her human hopes and fears and loves and passions had as it were been left behind the men and things she saw were absolutely real to her as they had been to the men of other days or would be in days to come but she herself was a pure intelligence which saw and acted and thought with perfect clearness but with absolutely no feeling save that of intellectual interest she saw armies meet in the shock of battle without a thrill of fear or horror towns and cities roared up to the unheeding heavens in flame and smoke and left her standing unmoved amidst the ruins she heard the screams of agony that rang through the torture chambers without a quiver and watched the long pale lines of the martyrs to what in the earth life was called religion pass to the stake without a quiver of pity or a thrill of disgust she stood face to face with the great ones of the earth who have graven their names deep upon the tablets of time without reverence or admiration and she witnessed the most heroic deeds and the most atrocious crimes with neither respect for the one nor hatred for the other human history was in her eyes merely a logical sequence of necessary events neither good nor bad in themselves but only as they were viewed from this standpoint or that by the oppressor or the oppressed the slayer or the slain the robber or the robbed the governor or the governed she learned that human emotion is merely a matter of time and space one century does not feel the loves and hates of another and the sorrows of here have no real sympathy with the sufferings of there beyond the border all these were merely matters of intense intellectual interest but when she returned to the temporal life the memory of them was marvellous and terrible her heart throbbed with pity and burned with righteous anger horror seemed to take hold of her soul and shake it with earthquake shudders when she thought that what she had seen but a few time moments ago had really come to pass and she longed for the power to show all this to the men and women of her own passing day and bid them have done with the poor shadowy images of themselves which had they really been gods would have made of human life something better and happier and nobler than the ghastly tragedy which as she had seen with her own eyes it had been but she knew that such a power was not hers she like her father had through the toil and strife and stress of many lives of mingled good and evil knowledge and ignorance won her way to the perfect knowledge and so she knew that all these poor kings and slaves conquerors and conquered torturers and tortured were all doing the same thing were all groping their way through the shadows and the night towards the dawn and the light through the hell of ignorance to the heaven of knowledge and now too since the wisdom of the ages was hers she saw that over all the vast weltering swarm of struggling immortals hung the inevitable decree of silent impersonal destiny as ye live so shall ye die as ye end so shall ye begin again in knowledge or ignorance in good or evil life after life death after death world without end it was clear to her now why some are born to honour and some to dishonour some to happiness and some to misery each in his or her degree why the liver of a good life was happy no matter what his place in the earth life might be and why the evil liver no matter how high he might stand in his own or others sight carried the canker of past misdeeds in his heart standing as she now did in the midway of the present looking with single gaze on past and future she saw at once the honest striver after good in his yesterday life rise to his reward in the life of to-day and the dishonest rich and powerful sitting in the high places of to-day cast down into the gutterways of to-morrow life had ceased to be a riddle to her now what with her halts at austin cologne and hamburg the thirty-three-hour journey lengthened itself out very pleasantly into a week and so when the famous city on the sound was reached they were as fresh and unfatigued as they were on the morning that they left the wilderness of course they put up at the Hotel d'Angleterre, and here they enjoyed themselves quietly for four days for of all european capitals copenhagen is one of the pleasantest in which to idle a few fine summer days away on the evening of the fourth day they were just sitting down to their table by one of the windows overlooking the Ostergade when nitocris happened to look up towards the door through which the diners were trickling in an irregular stream of well-dressed men and women for a moment her eyes became fixed then she bent her head over the table and said dad there is prince Oskorovitch. i wonder what he is doing here he is alone please go and ask him to join us i will tell you why afterwards they exchanged glances and the professor got up and went towards the door while his daughter got through a considerable amount of hard thinking in a very short time she was of course perfectly conversant with his share in the Zastro affair so far as her father had yet gone with it but she determined that when copenhagen had gone to sleep that night they would cross the border and pay a visit to the castle of Trelitz at the time of the tragedy and follow it out as far as it had gone it has already been shown that on her first meeting with the prince she conceived an aversion from him which was then inexplicable save by the ordinary theory of natural antipathy but now she knew that she had been Nitocris queen of egypt when he was Minka ra the lord of war who would have forced her to wed him by the might and terror of the sword and the will of a blind and blood intoxicated populace she had hated him then even to death and now she hated him still in life wherefore she desired to make his closer acquaintance on the earth plane on which they had met once more after many lives as he had been in those far-off days so he was now a splendid specimen of aristocratic humanity many eyes had followed her as she had walked to her table but there were more people in the room now and as the prince walked towards her beside the famous professor who had puzzled all the mathematicians of europe the whole crowd of guests was looking at nothing but these three this is indeed good fortune miss marmion and as good as it is unexpected which perhaps makes it all the better who would have thought of finding you in copenhagen he said as he bowed low over her hand if there is any reason at all for it prince it is that my father and i always like to take our holidays at irregular times and in unexpected places by which i mean places where we do not expect to meet all our acquaintances she replied as she sat down i think we manage to bore each other quite enough in london and we like each other all the better when we meet again is that not rather an ungracious speech Knighty? seeing that one of the said acquaintances has only just chanced to join us said the professor mildly you mean as regards the prince she laughed certainly not his highness is hardly an acquaintance yet you know we have only had the pleasure of meeting him once and then of course i said all our acquaintances there might be exceptions these words spoken with a quite indescribable charm were as he thought quite the sweetest that oskorovitch had heard for many a day it had been perfectly easy for a man with his official influence to trace by telegraph every movement that the marmions had made after he guessed that they would travel by either calais or ostend he had wired for his yacht the Grashna, to meet him at dover run across to ostend found that they had left there for cologne with through tickets for copenhagen again guessed rightly that they would spend a few days there and in hamburg and then steam away for the sound the farther north he travelled the farther he left phadric and his fantasies behind and the nearer he came to the belief that if he had only a fair chance and the field to himself as he intended to have he would not find very much difficulty in convincing Nitocris that there was no comparison at all between the humble naval officer she had left behind to do his work on his dirty little destroyer and the millionaire prince who could give her one of the noblest names in europe and everything that the heart of woman could desire and now these sweetly spoken words and the glance which accompanied them her undisguised pleasure at the chance meeting and her father's very evident approval of his presence quickly but finally convinced him that he had come to a perfectly just conclusion of course there was the memory of another woman only a little less fair than nidocris who had shut herself up yonder in the gloomy castle of trailitz acting the farce of a her official sorrow for love of him and pining for the time when the finding of her betrayed husband's corpse should leave her free after a decent interval of mock mourning to join her lot with his but what did that matter was it not as easy to get rid of a woman as a man was not the fatal beauty of the horror stone at his command now that he was its possessor for good or evil a well-arranged suicide might easily be taken by the world as the excusable if deplorable result of her mysterious bereavement the conversation during dinner naturally turned on ways and means of travelling and when the professor had sketched out their plans oscarovitch admirably simulated deference my dear sir i most certainly hope that you and miss marmion will not think that i am presuming on an acquaintance which if only a new one now may perhaps one day be older if i venture to suggest another way of making your tour i am an old voyager in these waters and i can assure you that the steamers though vastly improved have not quite reached the standard of the atlantic liner oh but you know prince we didn't expect it interrupted neither my father nor i have the slightest objection to roughing it a little in fact that is half the fun of wandering and slow travelling between stated points not always of the greatest or any interest together with the enforced company of the promiscuous crowd of tourists and commercial travellers who by the way are mostly german and therefore of nature and necessity disagreeable what about make up the other half said oskorovitch leaning back in his chair with a low laugh no no my dear miss marmion i am afraid you would not find that the reality quite squared with the anticipation now may i risk the suspicion of presumption and offer an alternative proposition why not said nitocris with a smile and a glance which dazzled him i'm sure it is very kind of you to take so much interest in our poor little attempt to get away for a while from the madding crowd who are doing the round of the same stale weary pleasures that they try so hard to enjoy year after year and then come back so tired after all then he replied looking at them alternately as i have your permission i would suggest that instead of rushing from fixed point to fixed point in crowded steamers and the shackles of company or government regulations you should take possession of a fairly comfortable steam yacht of a little over a thousand tons which will be entirely at your disposal and will run you from anywhere to anywhere you choose at any speed you like from five to thirty-five knots an hour with properly trained service to attend you and, as the advertisements say, every possible comfort and convenience. Which, of course, means that you have got your yacht here, and are so very kind as to ask us to become your guests for a time, said the professor, with a suspicion of stiffness. It is more than generous of you, Prince, but really. But really, my dear sir, Oskorovitch interrupted, with a gesture of deprecation, I can assure you that, so far as I am concerned, there is no kindness, to say nothing of generosity. It is pure selfishness this is my position i have managed to escape for a time from the toils of official work and worry and the almost equally irksome bonds of that form of penal servitude which is called society like you i have fled overseas but unlike you i have no company but my own and i have had a great deal too much of that already though i have only been three days and nights at sea i have no plans i have got nothing to do and nowhere to go and so if you and miss marmion would take pity on my loneliness all the generosity would be on your side of course i cannot presume to ask you to change your plans all at once but if you will sleep on my proposition and come and lunch with me to-morrow on board the grashnah and take a run up the sound say to elsinore you may be able to come to a decision it was a lovely night and so they took their coffee and liqueurs and the two men their smokes on the balcony overlooking the ostergate which might be called the rue de la paix of copenhagen and watched the well-dressed crowd sauntering to and fro past the brilliantly lighted shops and Nitocris, who seemed to her father to be in singularly high spirits sent the conversation rippling over all manner of subjects with the exception of politics and the fourth dimension oskurovitch was becoming more and more fascinated as the light-winged minutes sped by and he took but little pains to conceal the fact Nidacris, of course saw this and simulated a delightful unconsciousness the professor was for the time being completely mystified he knew that his daughter hated the prince with a thorough cordiality and yet he had never seen her make herself so entirely charming to any man not even excepting merrill himself as she was to this man her enemy of the ages he could have solved the problem instantly by crossing the border but then the sudden vanishing of a famous scientist from the midst of the brilliant company on the balcony would have set all the newspapers in europe chattering with the consequences which would have been the reverse of pleasant both to his daughter and himself however he had not long to wait for nitocris soon rose saying that she must go to jenny her maid to see about packing arrangements for to-morrow and the prince after another cigarette and liqueur took his leave and went on board the yacht to give orders for her to be put into her best trim and then to have a luxurious half-hour with the horace stone and indulge in fond imaginings as to how it would look hanging from a chain of diamonds on the white breast of miss nitocris when the professor went to his own sitting-room he found his daughter waiting to say good-night nighty he said as he closed the door I don't want to seem inquisitive, but, frankly, I was astounded at the gracious way in which you treated that scoundrel, Oskorovich. Dad, she replied with apparent irrelevance, do you believe in the forgiveness of sins? Of course not. How could anyone who holds the doctrine do that? We know that every moral debit must be worked off and turned into a credit by the sinner, however many lives of suffering it takes to do it. Why do you ask?' "'so that you might answer as you have done,' she said with a little laugh. "'Now this Soskorevich has sinned grievously, not only in this life, but in many others, "'and I am going to see that he works off at least some of his debit, as you put it, "'somewhat commercially. "'He loved me in the old days in Memphis, "'and he loves me still in the same brutal animal way. "'I know that if he cannot get me by fair means, he will try to take me by force.' and i am going to let him do it nighty yes he shall take me he shall think he got me safe away from you and mark and when he has got me he shall taste what the hot and strong sword of christian preachers call the torments of the damned no i shall not kill him he shall live till he prays to all his gods if he has any that he may die he shall hunger without eating thirst without drinking lie down without sleeping have wealth that he cannot spend, and palaces so hideously haunted that he dare not live in them, until, when men wish to illustrate the uttermost extreme of human misery, they shall point to Prince Oskorovich. I, the Queen, have said it. Then with a swift change of voice and manner, she laid her hands on her father's shoulders, kissed him, and murmured Good night, Dad, at least as far as this world is concerned. End of chapter twenty Recording by Elise Black, Atlanta, Georgia.